I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, everybody. This is Let's Get Civical. We miss you so, so much. But in the meantime, while you're waiting for new episodes, please enjoy one of our favorite episodes from this year. And we will see you next Wednesday. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events. But in a super fun way i'm lizzie stewart comedian feminist and political junkie and i'm arden wallentowski former senate intern campaign staffer and political strategist in this episode we are talking about the 21st amendment so grab your can of bloody mary and let's get civical What's up? What's up? I feel like I already sound drunk. You I are. sound I'm not I'm not drunk. I am drinking. Listen, my throat is warm. 
Mine's warm too. I feel like I have a little fireplace in my chest. You guys, we are drinking today. We're drinking canned Bloody Marys. Hell yeah, bitch. A gift from Arden to me because we're talking about the repeal of prohibition. That's right. And another is we have, you guessed it, our uber goober special guest back. Yes, yes, yes. Amanda Hunt, she's back. Oh my God, my title. She's back. She's back. She's back. so honored. She's also drinking the canned Bloody Mary as is our producer Kate who is hating every moment of it. She hates it so, so much because she hates Bloody Marys but she's drinking Drinking one to be a supportive friend and ally to us, and that is women supporting women. <laughs> so we're gonna be drinking throughout this episode. Anything can happen. Anything just... can happen. I feel like maybe at some point people might have assumed that we just drink through these episodes, mm-hmm. like on the regular. This is the, this first, is time. the first time. Wow. This is the no. first time we've ever had alcohol. Yep. During an episode. Yep. We have we have sounded drunk. Before. Right. So you would be forgiven that's, if you think that we have been different. intoxicated. But you were just drunk on facts. Just we were facts. drunk on facts. We were drunk on fun. Love we were education. drunk on exhaustion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, the most intoxicating. The most intoxicating. <laughs> yes. What's more strong? What's stronger than tequila? Being tired. Being tired. <laughs> um, yeah. So Amanda Hunt is back with us. Um, and her show, Monica Lewinsky Sings Your Heart Out, has one more, right? One more. On August 22nd. I saw it this past Thursday. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming. It was so fun. Thank you. I, la- I like seriously enjoyed myself and laughed through the whole thing. Oh, it was great. I had a you. great time. Um, You're talented. Sorry. <laughs> I'm. Thank you so much. And I am so sorry. Like, yeah. Was, you should apologize for how talented you are. You are. The gifts that you give. So you should go see it. It's at the Crane. Yes. I mean, get tickets. It's at 730. The last one is August 22nd. You should go. My boss will be there. So <gasps> wow. Great. Anything can happen. Anything, Anything can happen. Happen. Anything Hopefully happen. I won't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Love that. We love rolling the dice. Love rolling the dice. It's a gamble. Life is a gamble. Yeah, so we are talking about it's part two of our prohibition amendment. Yeah, prohibit it. Prohibit it. Mm-hmm. We are talking about we're gonna talk about the twenty first amendment, which repealed prohibition. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk about like the gangs that popped up. Fuck yes. I love like mobsters. Like mobsters. I love mobsters oh i see that for you, you right i really like you in a fur coat yes. sitting there drinking champagne being like i don't ask about the business i don't ask about the business mm-hmm. but okay. we will be talking about the 21st amendment and gangsters which i'm so thrilled and gangsters about. and like why there was a, like a change of heart across the nation about mm-hmm. prohibition yeah uh we're gonna talk about if prohibition did what it set out to do which is to stop people from dying and drinking and beating their wives right we love we, we love, love <laughs> long-term goals Listen, and i feel it's a testament yes. to how far mm-hmm. we've it's come that yeah. like we had uh we had to pass an amendment to stop men from drinking and beating their wives and yet here we sit four ladies in brooklyn drinking bloody mary's out of a can hey wow. we have come so far we've come well, so far we passed an amendment to stop them from drinking right but like <laughs> there wasn't actually one to stop you know like right, it was yeah. like when you stop drinking we suggest yeah. we, we suggest actually like stop beating your we'll refuse to pass the violence against women act like right. we kind of like won't do that which right. is mm-hmm. super amazing about us let's drink to that cheers. Yes. cheers to that so yeah i think it was more just about like drinking and stuff because beating your wives like either you're gonna beat your wife or you're not gonna beat your wife right. like you and know, that's right. a personal potato. choice that's what works yeah. for your family that's between you <laughs> And and your your priest yes and we're not we, we don't want the government to interfere. oh god and I got him you know <laughs> <laughs> with oh, so with that should we jump mm-hmm. right in mm-hmm. okay great mm-hmm. so the twenty first amendment so like when we talked about the eighteenth amendment we talked about the Volstead Act and yeah. how like the Volstead Act 
was like the way that they m- made the tw- the 18th amendment like a real thing right like yeah. it, that piece of legislation made the amendment that was like how they enforced it right it was so, the teeth it was the teeth so the 21st amendment has something similar so they but it this act was passed before the 21st amendment so first we had the cullen harrison act mm-hmm. roosevelt signed it in uh sorry on march 22nd 1933 shout out to roosevelt hey rosie it amended the volstead act of 1919 which was the act of congress that enabled the 18th amendment and prohibition so back in like 1919 when the 18th amendment was first enacted and the volstead act was passed some of the politicians who voted for prohibition assumed that beer and wine sales wouldn't be banned mm. they thought it was oh, just gonna like be like a medium wedding yeah, yeah they thought it was just wedding. gonna be like hard alcohol so they were right. like, I'm, I'm sorry. Nobody said anything about my beer yeah, and my literally wine. Literally, nobody yes. said a word. I they need we rosé. Yeah. Beer and wine. Beer and wine is not liquor. No. So they were upset about that until the prohibitionists then like used the Volstead Act to ban to broaden the the booze ban, and so they like lumped everything into it. The Colin Harrison Act allowed people to buy and drink low alcohol content of beer and wine in public. Mm. So they're like treating in the streets. Shout out in the streets. So they're treating beer and wine as like intro drinking yeah or like gateway drinking right the that was the dare phrase one might do for. bailey's in eighth yeah. grade a mike's right. hard lemonade <laughs> not that i'm advocating for that <laughs> yeah to all no, our eighth graders <laughs> take a shot of bailey's yeah i did it don't do it but. don't do it i did it my mother for some random reason had like a bottle of Kahlua that mm-hmm. i am my dumb ass my like dumb ass with like drink hi mom drink Kahlua <laughs> out of this mm-hmm. bottle and mm-hmm. then she never drank so she, it was not like she was ever going to find out. I like would put water in the thing. Yeah. Oh, bless your so, heart. So it was just the wateriest Kahlua. It was the wateriest <laughs> Kahlua. So then by the end, I was like, well, she noticed because I've now drank the entire thing. Well, she noticed that the bottle is gone. Yeah. And again, hi, mom. I don't think you've ever noticed. Sorry, mom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I we love her so much <laughs> shout out shout out I also did something similar but because I am who I am I was drinking slowly but surely a bottle of now I know is triple sec <laughs> oh It's a clear liquid that looks something like a vodka or a silver tequila and it is not. So I would just like take little sips of it being like, wow, this is fucking wild. <laughs> um, and it was triple sex. Did you throw? Uh, I would throw up from well, the sweetness. Well, I wouldn't sweetness. drink like yeah. a ton of it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't drink a ton of it. I would drink like, like a couple of sips and I'd be like, so oh moderate. my God, I'm so, I know so moderate because my body is a temple. Uh, <laughs> but I'd be like, wow, am I drunk? I don't know. I don't know what it feels like. And I would do a similar thing where I was like, kind of just like chipping away at this yeah. bottle of now that I know is triple sec. But at the time I was like, yeah, this is. It, like, I didn't do it with friends. This was just for me to, like, explore my yeah, own self when my sure. parents weren't home. Yep, me too. And, yep, I just drank <laughs> maybe half a bottle of triple sack. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> On my own. On my own. <laughs> Pretending and, it is vodka. And I would never, ever have drank from my parents' liquor cabinet. I drank at other people's homes. Yeah. Mm, that's a smart way. We would do something in high school called garaging, mm-hmm. where boys would go and take warm Milwaukee's best out of Love their beast. parents' garages, yeah. the beast, and we would drink the warmest Milwaukee's best. And I'll tell you, I'd drink one now, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't drink a screwdriver ever again in my sure. whole life. Let it die. Truly, no. Yep. But uh, a warm Milwaukee. Milwaukee's best takes me back. Yeah. 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 Love that. Love, Love that. that. Love that. Sidebar, the margaritas at your party Friday night. 
top they notch. Were, they were strong as shit. Your girl, girl so knows strong. her triple sack. That was literally <laughs> six was like, cups of tequila. <laughs> I was like something about lemon, lemon, limes, and then uh, the idea of triple sack and the idea of a simple syrup. Yeah, it was I, mostly my mar- my margarita is just six cups of tequila. Yeah. So the Cullen Harrison Act uh, allowed people to buy and drink low alcohol content beer and wine in public. It went into effect on April 7th of that year, which was 1933. And on that day, little mini <gasps> fun fact. I just love this no, so this much. Is amazing. That uh, in St. Louis, the Budweiser Clydes- Clydesdales. They're gorgeous. They're beautiful. Made the their first public appearance as they pulled a beer wagon through the city. Yeah, they this did. This is also why April 7th is like National Beer Day. Oh, because it's because like you it can was drink they again. released the Clydesdales. They released the yeah. Clydesdales, wow. and because they like passed this thing, that's the day it took effect. I and, love that. Yeah, and in Chicago, this is insane. In Chicago, because think okay, in Chicago, an estimated five million dollars in beer sales happened on April seventh, nineteen thirty-three alone. Five million dollars in that, that single day. city, and like, how much was beer? Like a buck. And how much was $5 million then? Right. Yeah. Like, that's so much It was like everybody money. went out and bought maybe five cases of beer. Like, right. every single person every in single the city person. of Chicago. Right. Which just tells you, like, how much people were like, you are killing us with this band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need something to live Give for. Give it to us. But was it also like they were like, what if they take it away again? Yeah. They that could have been be stalking it. up. That could yeah. be it. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So, but the act didn't last long because it was voided. Which is, <laughs> this is good things. They're not a bad voiding. It's a good voiding. Uh, it was voided when Utah became the 36th state to ratify the 21st Amendment. Thank you, in Utah. In December of 1933. Thank you, Mormons. Yeah. Thanks for being cool, Utah. Thank you. What an ally. Mm-hmm. An ally of a state. Shout out to our friends in Utah. Mm-hmm. Yep. We appreciate you. Yeah. I love that. So that was the Cullen Harrison Act. It was like a stopover between when people had finally realized like, y'all, this ain't working. Yeah. We got to change some shit around here. But they were working on the 21st Amendment. It had not yet passed. And so this Utah was. Utah came this in was and was like, hold my band-aid. beer. Yeah. 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 And they saved it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Utah said, hold my beer. Hold my beer. beer. Actually, no, actually, give actually, me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> actually, can I, I have a, pass. a whiskey sour? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about the 21st Amendment. Uh, It was passed by Congress on February 20th, 1933. It was ratified on December 5th, 1933. Wow, that's a big gap. Right before Christmas, though. People were like, I did Thanksgiving without it. We got to get this. We got to do this. I will not do do it without without the, the 21st Amendment. Fun fact about this amendment, it is the only amendment to repeal a prior amendment. So it repealed the 18th Amendment, mm-hmm. which, as we've talked about, was what prohibited the sale uh, and purchasing of liquor. It is the only amendment to be ratified by state ratifying conventions, not by state legislators. So they held conventions to ratify this. Which, like, I guess I should have realized that this is a thing. Like, the, I mean, it is... Like, it's stipulated in the article that, like, this is a way that you can get laws, mm-hmm. that you can ratify a law, uh, yeah. in, an you amendment can have a con- to a, a convention. But, yeah. But it's the only time it's ever been done. And mm-hmm. I feel like we should be doing this more. Like, yeah, why right. are we, Literally, like, right, we're relying one, on state legislatures. <laughs> just one fun just little, little. Just a fun, cute little amendment, the ERA, Equal right. Rights Amendment. Because we're relying <laughs> on state legislatures to pass all of these things when we could. Ratify. hold a convention yeah it's just such an interesting like this is the one they used it for because yeah. the people were like give us like give us like a yeah like what could you do with gun control right with this if you did a state-by-state state right yeah convention you could right. i'd love to you know love love a convention love a convention i, I would love go. a convention i would absolutely be there yeah and i would be invited yep 
So, yes, this was the only time <laughs> state ratifying <laughs> conventions were used. We love that. This was because although prohibition of alcohol had lost a great deal of popular support by the 1930s, the political power of a of the temperance temperance lobby remained in intact. Oh my god, the Bloody Mary is kicking in. In great in a great many states. You had to write a great many states. <laughs> <laughs> Just to fuck you up. So basically in the public, people were like, we want to drink, yeah. but but lobbyists had power. So it's like how today it was like, we want gun control. Right. But the NRA is like, actually, yes. here's money. Right. Yeah. But that's going away. That's going it's, away. Actually, the NRA is like they've they've their they're, membership is they're something not is place. going on. They're, I feel they're like bleeding uh, money and they're turning yeah. in on themselves. Yeah. And that's really beautiful. That's the movie I can't wait to see. see. I know. Michael Lewis write that book. Mm, yes, we love sexy. that. Yeah. Political prudence pointed in the direction of ratifying conventions as a way of leaving gun-shy legislators with their eyes on re-elections out of the process and off the hook. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's literally like you don't have to get your hands dirty. No. You don't have to upset your donors. Right. Yeah. They were afraid. They were afraid yeah. of the t- of the temperance lobbyists who yeah. were still like had a lot of political power, but clearly like no support from the actual people living in these states. And so they were like, all right, well, we're not going to do it. But if y'all want to hold the convention, we're not going to stop you. Yeah. Yeah. Article five of the 21st Amendment allowed for ratification via either method. So via the state ratifying conventions or legislate legislators doing it how they normally did it. And then we're going to go through section one and two of the amendment. So section one says, and I absolutely love how this is written. Are you ready? Okay, just take this in. Section 1 of the 21st Amendment. (laughs) The 18th Article of Amendment to the Constitution of the United States is hereby repealed. Period. Oh, my done. God. I know. Simple. Simple. But, but <laughs> in the, like, it's done. <laughs> in the in the 18th Amendment, they had a trigger, right? They were like, the, we might be on this. Like, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It was we like, might <laughs> this might be a bad idea. Yeah. A bad idea. <laughs> no, no, I'll behold my beer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's Section 1. Verbose. So clear. Section two, the transportation or importation into any state, territory, or possession of the United States for delivery or use therein of intoxicating liquors in violation of the laws thereof is hereby prohibited. So the second section changed the nature of the alcohol laws in the U.S., which is why, like, um, producer Kate is accurate. They vary from state to state because what the 18th Amendment and the Volstead Act tried to do is, like, make a national enforcement policy except that they didn't give it any money or any teeth and so basically it became like the gangman's paradise and so what this part does is and it's like kind of unclear like how how intentional it was but what it has become is that each state gets to make their own laws um, and Which so is why I can buy liquor at a grocery store in Louisiana, but I cannot buy a liquor at a grocery store here in New York. Or even wine at a grocery I store. I know. Right. It's only Chateau Diana, and that's because it's that a wine product. product. Yeah. yeah. Which is basically the triple sack of wine. It really oh, is. That shit is I triggered. nasty. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but it's also why like a state like New Jersey, why liquor licenses, why they like don't sell alcohol on Sundays, and why liquor licenses are a million fucking dollars. Yeah. A million fucking yeah. dollars. Because there's a limited number of them. Yeah. Yeah. So the second section is interpreted the courts have interpreted as giving broad authority uh, over the regulation of alcoholic beverages to the states Mm. and limiting the power of the national government to intrude upon state alcohol beverage control policies does this also include the drinking age yes 
It includes like anything that's related to alcohol yeah. and alcohol mm, consumption. Yeah. yeah. The language grew out of the kind of this perceived problem with the 18th Amendment and the Volstead Act because the Anti-Saloon League had expected that <laughs> Sorry, the states, I forgot that that was a thing. I know. The ASL, just says ASL. The Anti-Saloon the League. Anti-Saloon League. I still want to go to a saloon. I still want to open my saloon. Okay. So the Anti-Saloon League strategists thought that the state's kind of existing criminal justice machinery would do the work that was laid out in the Volstead Act. Like, they thought that they would be the ones, like, arresting people and imposing fines and, like, that that would all fall to the state agencies mm. and not federal ones well they were wrong <laughs> because basically what ended up happening was that because they're like state and local level officials politicians cops all of that they were easy to buy off and so the gangs <laughs> same <laughs> literally same yeah. i have a price yeah. the price is low <laughs> um that can be bought yeah <laughs> for sure so they ended up what ended up happening is that they paid all of these people off and everybody looked the other way. And so there was no real enforcement because the league didn't insist on creating adequate forces for, or funding for federal enforcement. So they were like, great, it's in there. We want this thing. They just kind of like assumed that the federal government would then turn around and be like, okay, so we're allocating X millions of dollars to this Oof, and we're going to hire people to control that. it. That's never hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> right. They didn't, al- they didn't insist that it was in the budget. So like the dries, because remember we're, we're dry. A wet and a dry. Oh my God. Oh, Imagine being split. wet. Imagine. <laughs> I mean, I guess we are wet, but we I don't want to be right called now I'm that. drowning. But I be there are people. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have. I mean, I am such a wet. It would be like a, such a weird thing to yeah, say. Yeah, like, oh, she's a wet. She's a wet. Mm. He's a dry, but they make it work. They, they make, make it, it work. work. God bless them. <laughs> they really. He's a beard. She's a beard that works. Yeah, yeah. They overcome all the odds. <laughs> yeah. So that's why they put this in. That's why Section 2 is in there. Although I feel like it did give power to the states, but in such, I feel like the sentence itself is so, like, does it in such a small way. It's it just literally like, couldn't be more subtle. It couldn't be more subtle, <laughs> but the courts have been like, I've got you. I've got, like, they really, I feel like, wanted the to make sure that this shit didn't happen again because yeah. we already fucked this shit up once. Yeah. yeah. We already said that this this is a huge noble experiment and we were going to do great things with this. Noble and it has yeah. failed. And yes. so the courts are like, you had your chance. Yeah. yeah. We're now delegating this to the states. Love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so that was section two. Yeah. <laughs> section three says, this article shall be an operative unless it shall have been ratified as an amendment to the Constitution by conventions in the several states as provided in the Constitution within seven years from the date of the submission hereof by the states of the Congress. So you have seven years to ratify this yeah. is what that says. Yeah. And that's all we're doing. And you can do it by convention. And you can do it by convention. And they did it in like a breath. They did. Yeah. It was like eight months, nine yeah, months. Yeah. They were like, like that. hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and they give years. it back because I got to pass. And they give it back because now it's legal. What's yeah. up? <laughs> so this, and now we're going to talk about the passage of the repeal. Like how <clears> we got there. How we got there. Wealthy New York socialite and suffragette Pauline Morton Sabine. I want to be known as wealthy New York socialite and suffragette. That's what I want to be known as. So Pauline Morton Sabine founded an organization called the Women's Organization for National Prohibition Reform. Mm -hmm. Initially, she had supported prohibition, but she had two sons and they had no regard for the prohibition laws, as did very, very few of her friends. So she was like, I want prohibition, but my sons and my friends 
are all drunk. Are all oh drunk. my God, she got so much peer pressure and she Paulina. was like, fine. Sweet Paulina. I bet her sons were such dicks. Like I, I just really, I poor Pauline. Yeah. The, but the primary straw that broke the camel's back was the stock market crash and ensuing depression because federal tax raven, revenue dis, disappeared and the government was running out of running on fumes. I was going to say running out of funds. Both are correct. <laughs> both are accurate. Yeah. The country is desperate for revenue and there was one obvious place to get revenue back. The tax on alcohol. Yes, people make a quick buck. Tax the shit out of liquor. Yep. And in fact, in 1934, the first 9% of federal revenue came from the new liquor taxes. People were still drinking their faces off. Yes. But now the government is Could seeing, make money. Could make yeah. money on it. Yeah. Um, the return of the alcohol industry was a, pheno- was a phenomenal jobs program. <laughs> Not only in the distilleries and the breweries, but also in bottle makers, cork makers, trucks, barrels, and distribution. Yeah. yeah. This all makes sense. It all makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Huge boon for cork people. Yeah. So, I was to be a bottler. My cousin uh, in is a, a bottler is worked for a bottling company. Like wow. they, made, they made. I thought the, it was all um, robots now. No, no, no. They made. I mean, like she did like purchasing and stuff, but they Great. made the bottles for like. Was it Yingling? Ying, Ying, Ying. Yeah, yeah, Yingling. Yingling. Great Yingling. bear. Great yeah. bear. Shout out to our friends at Yingling. Yeah. <laughs> our good friends. Good friends. Good friends. Finally, from 1919 to 1929, federal tax revenues from distilled spirits dropped from $365 million to less than $13 million. Yeah. That is so much. That's well, almost $300 million. It's $300 million. Over $300 million. Yeah. When um, prohibition was in effect. Yeah. While this was. Yeah. This, yeah. You're right. Prohibition, we lost three hundred over three hundred million dollars, and yeah. nobody thought of this before. Like everybody was just like, "We'll just cut out alcohol, and it'll no, be." No, they're fine. like, "Everybody's drinking too much." Uh. Well, they thought that like because they had passed this amendment that created the income tax, they thought like this would make up for it. Except that like if people have no income, you have no tax revenue. Right. This was the huge thing that they did not foresee because they didn't foresee the depression. The depression. That's right. It was they not did not foresee the inverted mm-hmm. yield curve. They, they weren't getting that. The uh, they weren't getting that like New York Times alert that no. we all got yesterday that was like recession is coming. Will yeah. it come before <laughs> the 2020 Bring election? It <laughs> Bring it on. Um, so yes, yeah, so we dropped over $300 million um, in federal tax revenues and revenue from fermented liquors dropped from 117 million to basically $0. Yeah. So another, so overall right now we've dropped about 400 million plus 50. Yeah. Uh, just like take dollars two to quadrillion dollars in, yeah. in, this, uh, in today's this is the exact amount. This yeah. math is done by bloody Mary. And yeah. All, yeah, this is all Brought sponsored. I, again, Mary. no longer can feel my face. The fact that I've read and spoken words that I'm reading is shocking to me. <laughs> so the 450 plus million dollars all went to, the gangsters. Yeah. Oh like, my God, your your men. My husband, yeah. my future <laughs> hubby. No, they're no longer fun now. But like back then, they were fun. They're they fun in Sister Act the musical. Love that. And oh, the movie, of course. Of course, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. It all. I mean, like it's some so of it much just, money. It's so much money. So, like the money that was made went to the gangsters. They in the section that's about the gangsters. Um, I think it says they make like a hundred million dollars. Like a year that's or something crazy. like that. Like, that's crazy. That's a lot of money. Wow. It's a lot of money. Yeah, it's insane. That's, not, that's I mean, that's why they could buy so much influence. Yep. Like, that's why they were able to... I'm, I'm in love. Sorry. <laughs> no, there's... Like, the facts you are figures on the gangsters are like... It's, <laughs> I need a powerful man. Yeah. <laughs> I need a powerful gangster. 
I love it. I love it. And uh, shout out any gangsters out there. Call me. Call. Call Lizzie. She's hot to try. Okay. Um, so now we're going to talk about why the national change of heart kind of happened around. Yeah. Why? What happened to what happened to America? What happened to America? Why this sudden shift in the <laughs> America? What you thinking? <laughs> What's up, babe? Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. So there's this old joke that floats around that after, quote, 14 years with nothing to drink, the American people got thirsty. Thirsty Thursday. My God, 14 years without something to drink, I would lose my mind. I would lose my mind. (laughs) Could you imagine? I literally have not gone 14 days. No. I was, what, 16? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not proud of that, (laughs) but I wouldn't disagree with it. I'm not. I don't say that out of, exactly. I don't say it out of pride. I just, Mm -hmm. it's a matter of fact. I just love a glass of wine. Yep. Or a spiked seltzer. How yes, dare you. A tequila a and soda seltzer. with a splash of grapefruit your for your hot girl summer. Margarita. Mm-hmm. Shit. <laughs> a, when I discover Bloody Marys, it's over. This is this is a salad, though. This is different. This well, is yeah. Actually, it obviously. is very healthy, and it's yeah. like a V8 with a little a little kick. With a little yeah. something for me. Yeah. Because here's the thing about the cans. They're deceptive. Like, a, yeah. like cans of wine or half a bottle of wine. Yeah. Yeah. What That's is the alcohol content in these? Half a bottle of wine. Hold on. Hold on. I'm drunk. I, hold on. There's um, labeled the, on here? I, I, I went to a show and I was like, oh yeah, I'll just get a can of wine. The show's like an hour long. I was lit by the end. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Like I'm, I like am at the show and a bunch of people I know are here and I need to leave. Like yeah. I need to slink away. Yeah. Because once again, the thing about drinking is it's so hard to remember to eat before. Right. And yeah. then during it's so like, oh wow, I didn't eat and now yeah. I do know it. Guys, I just learned something, which that this has, this is 10% alcohol. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> We, if if this, this, was, if this was before 1933 and after Lock 1918, we would be, oh boy, we'd be underground with gangsters. We'd be underground with the gangsters. Holy this. shit. But, but this we'd is, be in George Washington's but, crypt. Fuck. Hey, this is also gluten-free. So, <laughs> and God is possibly good. vegan, honestly. Like what Ready could to enjoy. be in what here? Are the, what are the ingredients? Hold on. Like I see a blowfish on this can and I don't know why. Okay, I hope there's I'm gonna read the description of this. R. Fugu, mild Bloody Mary, is perfect for those who like a stronger dose of tomato in their mix. Okay, fuck me up. The this veggie forward cocktail is perfect with our signature Fugu vodka, featuring veggie forward. Veggie forward. It's, it's what it veggie says. Veggie forward. The the ten percent of alcohol is not as forward as the vegetables. No, no, no. Uh, the, veg, the vegetables are forward. Um, this veggie forward cocktail is perfect with our signature Fugu vodka, featuring. <laughs> ripe tomatoes and exotic spices for a classic cocktail that is dangerously drinkable um i'm gonna Fuck tag on to this oh here we go it's one part fugu vodka and three parts house bloody mary mix so you just think like of the proportions of the can right we you know it's not noon oh i guess it's noon now uh <laughs> But it's barely noon, uh, and it's we new noon. This Bro. is I can't wait to buy these cans. Yeah. I, this I'm having a great time with this. My can is almost empty. I have had a lot of, of this Bloody Mary 10% alcohol mix. But wow. Okay, okay. So I'm drunk, and nobody needs to make a scene about it. 
it's fine. Honey, we're all drunk too. Yeah, this good. Is safe space. You're I've safe. had my canned Bloody Mary, which I will buy again. I fucking love this can of this Bloody Mary. This is so great. Yeah. This is so Listen, good. happy birthday, my love. Happy birthday to me. It was my birthday. This is why we have canned Bloody Marys. It's because Arden bought them for me. Have mm-hmm. I already said that? Am I drunk? Yes. I don't think we've said it on mic. Okay, great. Oh what I goodness. would love to do is to try to see if we can possibly segue back to the notes. I want to see you try that. Let's see this. Let's see this. Okay. So... Like a good New Yorker in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Which we are. Right on now. a Sunday. On we're a having Sunday. our alcohol. Yes. Yeah. We have to. We were thirsty. We were thirsty. I was thirsty. Throwing it back to this old trope. 14 years with nothing to drink. The American people were very thirsty. They needed their alcohol. They needed something to survive mm-hmm. for. Like much of us with student debt. I need a reason to live. Exactly. Please give me my bloody yes. hand. Right? Yes. Okay. So here we're back. We're back. The bold Thank experiment, the noble experiment has failed. Did you like that segue? That, that was, was I'm, I'm so, sorry. I'm so I'm sorry. Impressed. Can you just pause the segue? That was fucking gorgeous. Honestly, get off the segue again. I got to see it come back. Can we do you it know? one more time? Can to call it the again? noble experiment. I don't even remember what we were talking about. <laughs> I don't know what this episode's about. It's about alcohol. Of it's course, that's alcohol. why I'm drunk. So, <laughs> so. Yeah. What was the last thing we said? Um, okay. So no, the thing about, about the- are we still on thirsty? <laughs> we're not still on thirsty. <laughs> oh, we're on noble experiment. Oh, no, we're, we're on the, the black, black market. market. Oh, the so black deal market. With, oh, right. So the black market. Sure. So we're just going to, I'm going to not even going to segue. We're going to go hard, right? Yeah. The black market. The black That's market. where we're at. So yes. the black market and alcohol, much like what is running through our bodies right now and causing mm-hmm. this dilemma, mm-hmm. um, the black market and alcohol, I am sweating. The black market and alcohol was large and it grew really quickly in order to like fill this void. People wanted to drink. drink. Yeah. They were fucking depressed. They were like, there's um, dust. I need a drink. I need a drink. Yeah. Um, the gangsters of our fair United States. I don't know why you have to like, say it like that. We gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> they had sexy. The gangsters. The gangsters. Why do you say The Killian Murphys of the world. Oh, were he's hot. He, can, he get can truly get it. Killian, yes. if you're listening, I'm oh sorry. I'm sorry. You guys know and love Killian Murphy, and you have not seen Peaky Blinders? Okay. I it's know just, and love The thing him. is, like, if I know any man with an angular face who looks like he could fucking slit my throat <laughs> while having sex with me. I know them all. It oh my is God, same Killian type. Murphy. <laughs> That's really fun. Yeah. I want to. I want to fear for my life the black market grew really quickly during the pro during prohibition because there people were like i i, I need something to do um <laughs> i'm bored out of I'm my bored mind out of my mind and i have no money but the little money i have i will spend on alcohol mm-hmm. and the gangsters were only happy to oblige and the inability or unwillingness of law enforcement agencies basically at every level every level local state whatever to stop illegal production sale and transportation of intoxicating liquors resulted in beverage alcohol being more or less easily accessible to anybody who wanted it. Like if you could, if you had money and were willing to pay for it, like you could you get could totally alcohol. get alcohol. Yeah. And it was at a price that like working people could afford because yeah. they were like, there was a lot of it and it wasn't like, we're not buying top shelf. We're buying like below well. Right. And like moonshine that could and strip the paint off your wall. Exactly. Right. right. And Love so that. working people were like, oh, I got a pence like here, have that. The temperance movement was successful in shutting down the saloon, but they the, the saloons were just replaced by speakeasies. Yeah. So it went from being this like this place that was like meant for really like men to go and have and drink and spend their time. It was those were replaced by speakeasies, which were like co-ed. Definitely co-ed. Well, you know, I do love that. I, I, love I that. hate that it had to be illegal for women to get invited. But like, 
here we are. Be invited. But here we are. I was, I'm where I here now. Yeah. I love that. So in many states, support for prohibition waned dramatically because people were like, this isn't really working. Yeah. Forcing an undergrad is making it weird. The gangsters are running the world. I don't like this is not working out the way that I planned. And so, for example, in Ohio, many I chose my home state because I have it's it's our show and I have a benefit. There you go. Ohioans believe that prohibitions uh, that prohibition supporters were forcing their moral beliefs onto others. Mm. And I just like them to like remember that and pick that back up when the Republicans try to do stupid shit. I love that. Put a pin in that. Put a pin in it. Um, and they didn't like that. So, and then there were other residents who opposed the the 18th Amendment, the Prohibition Amendment, because bars, breweries, and distilleries had to close. And we talked about this, leaving thousands of people of, uh, unemployed. Yeah. Once the states ratified the amendment, so like, not only are you taking away alcohol from people now, people, it's like when you're taking jobs away, you're taking jobs when away Americans from people. Have jobs be taken right. away, they don't like it. They don't like yeah. it. That's why, like, you create something like the GI Bill, so that. When like you people are at war, they go and fight the war. They come back. They need something to do. It's like let's give them an education. Let's give yeah. them something to like they can have purpose for their lives. Yeah. Because when you shut people out, when you basically shut down an industry, yeah, those people have nowhere to go. Yeah. yeah. Also, now that we have a recession pretty much on the horizon, I just want to encourage everybody to reconsider legalizing weed. Because think about the amount of jobs you could possibly create. Think yeah, I think we are manufacturing weed breaths away from it. But I then know. I hope that they revisit the legislation yes. before. Yeah. Well, yes, exactly. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you should make anybody who's currently locked up on a conviction of weed possession. You right. should release them. And then also you should create an industry for this like budding wow. organization. <laughs> and you should create jobs and save the economy from going into a depression by creating a whole other very profitable industry. Right. I will run. I do wonder <laughs> if it if we if weed gets legalized, like I know I'm from North Carolina, which was not cool and did not ratify this amendment. No, and that's yeah, very I'm from embarrassing. Texas. Can you imagine? Uh sisters. Hey. Um but <laughs> touch, touch me gently. Oh, that's nice. Uh, that was nice. Um <laughs> but like I've heard that the tobacco industry is like ready to go. Like as soon as it gets legalized, yeah. production yeah. will begin. And it's yeah. like so would it create more jobs? Maybe. But yeah. or would it just benefit the same giant companies it might but it would certainly if they do it properly and they tax it properly it will at least create enough revenue to i think prevent a full-on or at least like help a full-on recession yeah Yeah. happening and i would buy weed if it were legal i I would totally buy weed if it were legal if it was easy to get for sure yes i I can't have a dealer come to my house because i like need to clean up edibles you could buy you know the oils you could buy joints you could buy like if you made it like a full industry you can get whatever because people like to do different things with weed you could buy a little gummy at a dispensary next to your grocery store exactly right or you could buy it at the grocery store if you're in the state of louisiana like i'm just saying or arizona if you make it easy you can make a lot of money off of it and we've already all decided whether or not we want to admit it or not that it's not a dangerous drug drug yeah like you can't drive doing it but there's a lot of things you can't drive. sure you can't drive while drinking drinking is probably more dangerous than weed is yeah probably i mean it is or like having your pupils dilated at the eye doctor (laughs) so much light so I'm just going to bring it back to our topic at hand. So in Ohio, prohibition opponents actually revoked the state's approval mm-hmm. of the 18th Amendment in a statewide referendum in 1919. And I'd just like to say, so proud. Love that. Love that. Uh, and then in Hawk v. Smith, the United States Supreme Court ruled that the state legislature's approval of prohibition could not be overturned by the referendum. So they were like, so the people in Ohio were like, we don't like it. We yeah. don't like it. We don't want prohibition. And then the Supreme Court was like, 
No, actually, the Constitution takes precedent over what you want. Yeah. Which, like, okay. I hope we keep thinking that, Supreme Court. Right. So then, because of the, like, the declining support for prohibition, anti-temperance supporters were able to introduce the 21st Amendment to the United States Constitution in 1933. And then, like we said, that same year, a number of, the correct number of states ratified it, and it became... The end. Law. And it ended prohibition. Yeah. Lizzie, tell me about black market and gangs. I gave <laughs> you black market and oh, gangs. Wow. Thank you because, like, so much. That would be your jam. Because this is my total jam. <laughs> so these guys, they organize crime syndicates using profits from illegal liquor to corrupt police, resulting in non-enforcement of prohibition and other laws in some cases, and selective enforcement in others. So basically, like, you give gangsters a ton of money, they're going to pay off the police, and they're going to be like, don't. Tell. Tell. Yeah, like, be cool. <laughs> like, be, be cool. chill. So yeah. don't, like, come after us. Just be more chill. Yeah. Prior to Prohibition, organized crime wasn't really a thing. There were gangs, but not in the way that we think of them today. So, like, Prohibition basically created the, mo- the, the mobster the- idea that we have in our hearts and minds. Right. Again, to throw it back to Peaky Blinders, there's, like, mm-hmm. the informal way that they do business. And mm-hmm. then when they try to – they go through a season where they legitimize the business, mm-hmm. that's basically the transition from, yeah. like, gangs, like street gangs, to, to organized crime. Organized crime, yeah. yeah. To laundering. Yeah. Prior to Prohibition, it wasn't the mobsters who ran the most organized crime st- schemes in America, but corrupt political bosses – um, explains Howard Abedinsky. Abedinsky. Yeah. So Howard Abedinsky, Abedinsky is the one who just said that. Who is a criminal <laughs> justice professor at St. John's University. It's a quote. So it's we're giving quote. credit to where credit, credit is. Basically, due. yeah. So Howard was like, it wasn't the mobsters. Yeah. It was actually political it bosses. It was political bosses. Prior yeah. to Prohibition. Yeah. With legitimate bars and brewery, breweries out of business, someone had to step in and feel the substantial thirst of the Roaring Twenties, and no one was better equipped than the mobster. Yes, history.com. Well, they are like sexier. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, sorry. Yeah. 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 Gangsters and organized crime groups could protect illegal breweries and rum running operations from rival gangs. They could provide security for speakeasies and pay off any nosy cops or politicians to look the other way. Yeah. So they like, they just kind of, they, they became like the bouncers of yeah. speakeasies. Yeah. yeah. They were like, I, this idea of, if you pay me, I will offer you protection. Right. It's like very singular to this time period. Wow. Yeah. Like, cause now you don't really see that. But back then no. it was like, yeah, if you pay me, I will make this all go away. You I mean, see it, but you, not you in might a way. still see it, but not for alcohol. N- not right. for alcohol and not, not at this level, like not yeah. at a national level. Like right. it's more local now. Totally. Yeah. Um, the gangs made a lot of money and started paying off politicos and, and cops when the power dynamic shifted when prohibition took effect at the beginning of the roaring 20s. Uh, yeah. So it's like no alcohol. They started making a ton of money off of illegal liquor. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. They w- they literally just like. They're like, we see a hole in the market. They were like startup entrepreneurs. They were. Yeah. yeah. They had standing gas and they were brewing um, right underneath them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is, I love this next fact. Um, gang leaders mm-hmm. had to hire lawyers and accountants to launder their large earnings. And that's how organized crime became a thing. They, be- they became businessmen. They yeah. were like, we got to lawyer up. Yep. We got to do the money right. We have to have somebody on the numbers. We need an accountant. Because they're taking in millions, millions of, of dollars. dollars. Yeah. And millions they got to deal with the money right. And that's what we all really want in our careers, right? right? We get to a point where we're like, can somebody else deal with all this money that right. I got? Yeah. I don't want to deal with too it. much yeah. money right now. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know how to process that. Yeah. 
Um, some of the some of the biggest and most lucrative prohibition era bootlegging operations imported illegal booze from Canada via the Great Lakes through Lake Ontario over the Hudson River and down the thousands of speakeasies in New York City. I yep. love a map. Yep. Thousands in New York City. Yeah. Oh, of course. Always so fun. Of I course. Know. We're so much fun. Gangsters like Capone were pulling in as much as $100 million in a year in the mid-1920s, and that is $1.4 billion in 2018. So Al Capone was making $1.4 billion a year, and they were spending half a million dollars. So what is that? Like a couple hundred million dollars in this yep. day and age? Yep. Um, half, like a couple hundred million dollars a month in bribes to the police, politicians, and federal investigators. He's the Bezos of his time. He is. He was making a hundred million dollars a year and spending half a million a month. So like yeah. six million a year. Yeah. He's making so much more than he's spending. Profit. Like, yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. I love that. Using all nine, of this stuff that I just profit. said has come from our dear friends at history.com. History.com. Yeah. And it seems like probably he was like a really good boss until he would murder someone. Like it's yeah, just like, right. you know, like good Which benefits, is like very nice, very cool. And then good you healthcare. are murdered. Um, yeah. And then you're murdered. And then you're murdered. Yeah. He does have a face that you're like, you want to like. A very soft face. Well, I feel like most mob face. bosses were actually extremely charismatic. Like, I feel like you would have to be. be. I feel like he is sweating. Okay, bye. <laughs> I want to fucking marry a mob boss. <laughs> Let me live my life. Uh. Um, so so here's the thing. Oh, dear. Now we're at did prohibition achieve its goals? Oh. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Because the goal of prohibition was to, like, get A, get people to stop drinking so that people would stop hurting other human beings and stop killing themselves through, like, sure. cirrhosis. Yeah. So it's generally accepted that, yes, drinking dropped by about 30% at the beginning of prohibition so before they've before Only the gangsters percent yeah i know Yikes. So before the gangsters like figured out what like how how to do their business mm-hmm. um at the beginning of prohibition it dropped by about drinking dropped by about 30 percent. which yeah amanda it's like not you would think it'd be like 70 or 90 right. at right. the right. beginning at the beginning just well, i 30%. imagine they stocked up yeah if you knew yeah. it was coming because you you're coming. allowed to drink at home as yeah. long as you're cool you know yeah yeah, like, chill. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then by the end, once the the you know organized crime bosses had figured out like how to run the country, it had the numbers went back to closer to what they had been before prohibition. Yeah, which around like nineteen thirty nine, nineteen forty, we hit like pre prohibition levels again. Wow, yeah. that's not surprising. It's oh not my surprising. god, I would have assumed like because now there were more licenses and more regulations, it was like well, there's like a little bit more of a healthy structure. But I'm wrong. So it kind of it did go that way a bit. They start going towards education. So they start um, alcohol education. They start basically alcohol education. And like, I love that. For them. It does change the thinking of like, instead of having, you know, a cup of whiskey in the morning, I think right. people are turning to like, let's have coffee. You know, like it becomes a little bit more like, right. It was what we were doing was very gratuitous and right. not healthy. And so it does like, there is an education component that takes over and they try and talk to like, there's a passage the out of it's in here. The dare, the yes, dare program is established. Nineteen, nineteen is huh? But they do start talking to like young people, and young people who were born during this time were brought up in a period of like, it's not common. Like it's yeah. people are still drinking, but they're yeah. drinking out. They're drinking at speakeasies. They're drinking with women. <laughs> and <laughs> so finally, finally, oh, no. um, and so it does. Like the culture does shift, even though the drinking comes back. I think. 
it's more like we move into binge drinking as opposed to like I drinking throughout the day. And that's what I think of as healthy. <laughs> <laughs> that is my life. So the, there became this um, kind of cultural sense that you didn't have to repeal or um, prohibit alcohol in order to change consumption. That's where this comes from. Like they didn't think that like you necessarily had to say you couldn't have this thing in order to teach people that it was bad. Yeah. Like you don't have to prohibit heroin for me to know that heroin is a bad idea for right. me. But funny fact, so Seagram's, which I didn't realize they were an alcohol producer, but they were, they were like the largest bootlegger producer during prohibition. <gasps> Love that. Yeah, that's I'm, how they started. That's how they started. I, I had no idea. Like they just do ginger ale now. Like that's all I know about them. They do ginger <laughs> ale and seltzer. <laughs> yeah. Um, they do mixers. And then they, so they were one of the largest bootleggers during prohibition one of the largest distributors of then legal alcohol after prohibition was repealed, they brought alcohol back under the phrase drink sensibly. Drink sensibly. They were the first, they were like the originators of drink responsibly. On their ginger ale? I don't know that it does. I mean, this was like back then. I don't know I that it does. I feel like on it their might. Really? It I'm not sure. Me. I'm going to check. In look a, at in look, the next Wayne Reed. Next time you're having ginger ale, drink sensibly. Drink sensibly. Mm-hmm. Drink sensibly. There's a lot of sugar in that ginger ale. But yeah, I just thought that was funny. I was like, Seagram's interesting. So there is this like movement towards education and an understanding that like alcohol consumption at the level and the way that we were embracing our alcoholic culture before is not good for us. We don't want to be drinking all day on the construction site. Right, 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 right. Let's not do that. But so death rates from cirrhosis and alcoholism, alcohol alcoholic psychosis, hospital admissions and drunkenness arrests were all they all declined. Um, pretty steeply during the latter years of the 1910s. Sure. And then both this like cultural and legal climate, like Americans generally became more inhospitable to like over drinking. And so in the early years after national prohibition, there was just like kind of base level of intolerance for like being a drunken asshole. Yeah. Love which that. great. That yeah. is great. Yeah. Great. Great. And then I'm going to just round us out with the idea that prohibition wasn't a total loss. This is the version of fun facts. This is fun facts. Because <laughs> this is what we got from prohibition. We got men and women drinking for the first time together in public, bitches. Hello. Speakeasies were breaking all the rules. And this was just another opportunity to break more, more rules. Oh, my God. Rah, 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 rah. Rah, rah. Out of this, out of this, nightclubs and cabarets were also born. So it's like, I know. Oh you my know. God, I cabarets! Know. Cabarets, yeah. hello. Do you know them? Have you met them? <laughs> the Countess Luann won't stop talking. Oh my God! About them. Uh, <laughs> money can't buy you class. Elegance is love. <laughs> so that's exciting that finally men and women are allowed to drink together. We love. Yeah. Another thing that was, um, sorry, I just had a burp. <laughs> Another thing that was out of prohibition was something called speedboat technology. What this is, the U.S. Coast Guard was trying to patrol the Atlantic and Gulf Coast, so it would pay shipyards to build fast boats, and bootleggers would pay shipyards to build faster boats. And the competition fostered improvement in the product. So, like, literally, we we got, like, very fast state-of-the-art technology because gangsters and bootleggers were like, Here's a ton of money to build me something faster me something than those fast. guys. Yeah. Okay, question for you. What is hotter? A Coast Guard like guy mm. driving a fast boat mm-hmm. or a mobster guy a driving mobster a fast boat? I'm sorry. Because I think maybe for me a Coast Guard guy. Okay. But okay. I wouldn't have thought that until you said that. I love that. I well, love that for you. We want this to be an episode of Discovery. 
Um, <laughs> another another good thing that came out of prohibition was expansion of federal jurisdiction over white collar crimes. So basically, the federal law enforcement and court systems grew vastly larger with more authority over criminal matters. Um, and organized crime existed prohibition, but on the lo- pre pre prohibition but on a local level. So when you need to move more physical goods from one part of the country to another, you need cooperators in other cities. So it's like, it became like a national a national thing, organized crime syndicate, as yeah. opposed to like, we only operate in the South side. Yeah. Of we cannot like, this is out of my jurisdiction. Yeah. Right. And the federal government, like hand, like dealing with. So it's kind crime. of like how porn motivated the internet to become a bigger, better. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Totally. People need their porn. People yeah. need their booze. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and like an example of like the growing thing of the mobs. Um, in 1929 in Atlantic City, mob leaders from six cities got together and established no competition territories, and they set prices and rules of adjunction of adjudication. So basically, like that's how you have the mob families. Oh my god! So and this mo- set a precedent for cable companies. Exactly right, and this is why we have Spectrum. So like, <laughs> <laughs> so like basically, the mob families got <gasps> together and they're like, we're gonna create like basically a global, uh, not a global, a national territory. And then at the same time, the federal government was having to respond in kind by being like, we can't leave this up to like the state of New York because once you leave the state of New York, oh, then it's up to the state of New Jersey to right. deal with it. Right. And you deal with the jurisdiction thing, but so I- you establish it. Federal Federally, and then the federal government can chase the mobsters Around. wherever they please. Yes. But I do love that the, the mob families were like, we're going to hold our own like Treaty of Versailles moment. Yeah. Yes. They were like. It was smart of them, though. It was super smart. And like, those like, they, they got been- shit done because they had an mm-hmm. interest in getting it done because mm-hmm. they were like, listen. Stop coming to my territory and yeah. I will stop going. To, let's sign a treaty. We yeah. can murder the people who work under us, us instead of having to murder each other's people. Right. Right. But right. alternatively, when it did go sour, the the bloodbath was insane. Yeah. Like the mob families that would fight against you. Like like hundreds of people would be like Again, slaughtered. I point you to Peaky Blinders. I, I know that. that it's Bingham. We, like, do, Birmingham should we just start watching like, Peaky we'll start Blinders? I think you have to start watching Peaky after? Blinders. I'm going to just go home and start. I'm just saying. I'm going to watch you, it on my phone. If you all want mobster men, I'm just saying. I love Kelly that. Murphy. I do yeah. love that. Um, finally, and I love that we're going to end on this note, the last super positive thing that came out of Prohibition was cocktails and mixed drinks aren't you aren't you glad that i made it a happy thing yes because most of the time actual alcohol was so bad during prohibition that they simply had to mix it with tonic ginger ale tomato juice or some (laughs) other mixture mixture just mix mixer just to be able to tolerate it oh my god what a beautiful gift prohibition gave us yeah yeah the reason why you do a whiskey ginger ale is because the whiskey was so bad they were like what if we do ginger ale with this they're like that is tolerable. That is tolerable. Yeah. Seagram, and Seagram's was like, we can actually do both of those. Yeah, yeah. we can do both of those. We can provide you with both things. And that is the repeal, the drunk ass repeal <laughs> of prohibition. <laughs> Woo! Wow, my face still feels numb. I am five pounds lighter than when I walked in, and I have had calories since. Calories mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, guys, we love you so so much. So much. Uh, thank you so much for listening, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining oh us. My gosh, thank you, for thank you so much for having me. This is the highlight of my week, this and my been- parents were here, <laughs> and I love them so much. I love that. We are so grateful for you for coming back and and actually just seeing Prohibition through with I us. I know yes. that was really um, that was a very. I'm just very happy that happened. You guys, we are still crowdfunding for our network, More Banana. So go to morebanana.com/slash crowdfund and check us out and check out all the cute perks i've been drinking 
this whole episode. I can't feel my face, but I'm so excited about this opportunity. She's shiny. I'm shiny. I, I'm I went. I checked out the perks and I saw the cutest tees. I the have tees seen. Are so they're really cute. cute. They are really cute. They're so cute. I'm you gonna guys, wear one while I go around trying to make out this fall. Yes. I love that. You guys, I'm right now. Oh my god, report back <laughs> how many boys you get. Yes. Yeah. I will. I'll send you a tally. Uh, we love you so so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. See you next Wednesday. Bye. Bye.